if the multiple member LLC is engaged in US trade or business, and now due to that activities, the partners have ECI, we need to look at who the partners are. If it's an individual, that individual is going to pick up that income in the form of K1 or K2 or K3, and then use that to file the 1040 NR. If it's a foreign corporation, the foreign corporation picks up those income from K1, K2, K3, and then foreign corporation tax return. You are listening to US Tax, a podcast for Australian accountants with US clients. Welcome to US 21 of US Tax about forms 1065 and 5472. This is Heide Robson. Today, Let's talk about the forms you have to file as a multi-member LLC with foreign members. So 1065, 5472, K1, K2, K3, as well as 8804 and 8805. Here's Alex Ovari of OG Accounting in Lakewood, Colorado, who you already met in the last update. From 1065, I get a question from a lot of people that point me to these exceptions that, hey, it says if the LLC does not have any activities, then we should not be filing 1065. So why are we filing? Now, how does one even define activities? Could it be US activities or foreign activities? So in my opinion, if you have activities, whether it's in the US or outside the US, as long as it's a domestic partnership, you need to file and declare those activities. So for example, when you look at um, 1065 Schedule K, Box 16, it has a place where all the international transactions go. So whether it's the income you're receiving or the activities as US source or foreign source, you need to list all of them out. And then also, even recently, the IRS have released new forms, which is K2 and K3, which even gives more relevance to the fact that when you have a partnership that has a foreign partner or you have a partnership with an international relevance, so international relevance could be whether it's um, a foreign source income or whether it's a foreign tax credit issues. So people should look at Schedule K2 and K3 to see all of these things that the IRS is requiring them to report, right? So it's not just the fact that you may not have ECI, so you don't have to file 1065. In my opinion, whether you have ECI or not, you still need to file a 1065 because think about it. If you don't file it, how would we even know whether you're engaged in US trade or business or not? So it's up to taxpayers to do the right thing to file it. As long as you have activities, whether the activities is of foreign or domestic, just file it and declare those activities. And if you have no taxable income in the US, then you basically just put all your overseas income into box 16. So box 16 now, the box 16 now is just a checkbox, but then all the information goes on K2 and K3. So foreign persons with some kind of interest in a domestic partnership should always be looking at that K2 and the K3 instructions. If we are an Australian Propriety Limited trading in the US through multi-member LLC and all our income is taxable in Australia, none of it is taxable in the US, then we still have to fill out 1065 and then attach K2 and K3 to box 16, even though our taxable income in the US is nil. 
That's correct. In my opinion, I think that, hold on real quick, let me check Schedule K2 instruction. And it, it would also be a, a protective filing because it would then mean that the IS can only go back three years if there is an issue, whereas if you don't file anything, the IS can go back to 1922. Yeah, I mean, when you don't file it, the clock does not even start. So they can go back as long as they want, right? But then when you file it, you kind of have protected yourself, just like you're saying, and that all makes your life easy. So when you look at the Schedule K2, it says that any partnership required to file 1065 that has items relevant to the determination of U.S. tax or certain withholding tax or reporting obligation to aid partners under the international provisions of the Internal Revenue Code must complete Schedule K2 and K3. So you could see that it has so many catchphrases here. First, it talks about relevant to the determination of U.S. tax or certain withholding tax or reporting obligation of aid partners under the international provisions of the IRC. So you have all these mixtures of things that needs to be done. And even when you look at the Schedule K2 itself, there are columns for where you need to report U.S. source income, foreign source income, non-ECI income. You basically have to put it all on the table. Right, right. They've assigned certain boxes and columns for you to put certain categories of income. And for example, it even asks which countries the activities is taking place at, give us the gross sales, whether it's sales of inventories or performance of services. You need to provide the countries where those performance of services are taking place. So it's just a whole lot that, you know, partners need to be aware. And I would say that at any point in time you're confused, just look at the instructions and you wouldn't get to know that, you know, it's not just U.S. activities, but activities that the domestic partnership is doing around the globe need to be reported. And that is why multi-member LLCs are an issue. Because with multi-member LLCs in 1065 through K2 and K3, you need to basically put everything on the table. Everything that this multi-member LLC is doing, you have to dissect and disclose. And that's the issue, isn't it? Because with a single-member LLC, since it's a disregarded entity, you don't have these reporting obligations, correct? It's just all... Well, you do. Through. With a single-member LLC, you do. Um, it's just that it depending on your background of knowledge and information, maybe the filing might be easy because, you know, the single-member LLC, they are required to file a pro forma from 1120 and 5472. And yeah. there too, you disclose, you know, certain reportable transactions with related parties. So you're saying actually with a single member LLC, the information you have to disclose in K2 and K3 for a multi-member LLC, you actually also have to disclose for a single member LLC. You just do it in a different form. You do it in the 5472. Right. So the 5472 is kind of, it's a little bit different from the K2s and the K3s because with the K2s and the K3s, you have to figure out what the incomes, the credits, the deductions and all of that. But the pro forma 5472 is not, not, that is not a place you put in your income and asset and all of that. It's just simply asking you for reportable transactions. So when there's any contributions and distributions, you put it on there. So if I have to weigh, you know, a single member LLC reporting requirement versus multiple member, I would think that a single member LLC is more streamlined and proper structured than a multiple member LLC reporting. Form 5472, a single member LLC has to file it. Do the uh, members 
of a multi-member LLC, do they have to file a 5472? No, I mean, when you read the 5472 instructions, it says there are two types of entities that needs to file a 5472, which is a corporation and a single member LLC. So for the limited purpose of filing 5472, a single member LLC is now being seen as if it's a corporation just to make sure that it's filing this 5472 to make reportable transactions. So it only applies to corporations, so whether it's domestic or foreign corporations, and then it also applies to single-member LLCs. Yeah, but what about a foreign corporation who is a member of a multi-member LLC? Would then the 5472 apply to them? Depends on whether that foreign corporation have an ECI, and if they have an ECI, then we have to know if there's any... Any okay. movement going out that reduces the U.S. income tax base. So, for example, let's say somebody has a foreign corporation in Australia and then that foreign corporation has ECI here in the U.S., let's say 100000 And because that person doesn't want to pay more taxes, he pays himself maybe 50000 and reduces the U.S. tax base to 50000 So now he's going to pay 21% of 50000 The question we need to ask ourselves is, did this person pay himself reasonable salary or reasonable wages to bring that U.S. tax base that down? And now we're thinking about transfer pricing. And the only way we can capture some of the ways we can capture transfer pricing is for you to put those related party transactions on a 5472 so we know where the money went to. So an Australian Property Limited that trades directly in the US has to file a 5472, but an Australian Property Limited that trades in the US through a multi-member LLC doesn't have to file a 5472 as long as they don't do an ECI in their own name, but as long as they just trade through the multi-member LLC, they don't have to file a 5472 because the 1065 with K2 and K3 already discloses the information in a lot more detail, correct? Well, I mean, not entirely correct. Okay, so you're saying if you have a foreign corporation that's a member of a multiple member LLC and where the multiple member LLC itself is not considered to be engaged in US trade or business, correct? Yes. All right, then we don't have ECI. We don't have any of these things that we need to worry about transfer pricing. And I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think the foreign corporation should be filing the 5472. Okay, and if the multi-member LLC has a US trade or business, would then the member, the corporate member, have to file a 5472 in their own name? So you have to know that if the multiple member LLC is engaged in US trade or business, and now due to that activities, the partners have ECI, we need to look at who the partners are. If it's an individual, that individual is going to pick up that income in the form of K1 or K2 or K3, and then use that to file the 1040NR. If it's a foreign corporation, the foreign corporation picks up those income from K1, K2, K3, and then 1120F. foreign corporation tax return. So on the foreign corporation tax return, you have your own stuff going on in there, right? So if you got your money, and you're trying to reduce your U.S. income tax base, then we need to know all these transfer pricing issues going on on your side. Because at the end of the day, you are subject to corporate tax rates, and we want to make sure we're getting our taxes. You're paying a fair amount of taxes without eroding the base. The answer is yes. A corporate member who then files an 1120F, probably with an 8804 and an 8805, that corporate member then also would have to 
file a 5472, correct? And one thing that we also need to be aware of, 5472 is only required if you have a reportable transaction. And ECI. Yeah, if there's no reportable transaction, then there is no 5472. So I file a lot of tax return for corporations that have foreign owners. And in some years, they don't even have any of this reportable transaction. Maybe the owner is making losses and didn't pay himself. And there was no loan going out to foreign persons. And there was no, you know, R&D issues and all of that. Then yeah, there, there will be no 5472. But when you have cases where there's a reportable transaction, it doesn't matter whether it's a foreign corporation or domestic, it still needs to file the 5472. And don't also many people file a 5472 just as a protective filing? Yes. Yeah. I've had cases where even though it's not required, people get scared and they still file it. They still instruct me to file it, even though it's blank. So yes, you have cases like that where people still file it, even though it's not required. Welcome back. So for a foreign member of a multi-member LLC, there is 1065 in K1 and then also possibly K2 in K3, listing the income allocated to the partners, and then 8804 and 8805, listing any tax that has been withheld and more. In the next episode, update US 22. Let's talk about US tax identifiers with Alex Owari. So EIN, employer identification numbers, and ITINs, individual taxpayer identification number. And also the forms W9 and W8BEN and W8BEN-E. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next update. <music>